Hey everyone, just a reminder that this is a mental health podcast, so some content discussed may be triggering for some. If you're not feeling up to it, hit pause, come back another day, we're not going anywhere. If it is an emergency, please don't hesitate to contact Lifeline on 13 11 14. That is a 24-hour service. Thank you. Turn up the talk podcast. Tackling mental health together. Hey guys, and welcome to Turn Up The Talk. You're joined by Pat Clifton, Lockie Drew Morris, and Luca Moretti. Brought to you by the Clovelly Hotel and Doyle's on the Beach. How are you boys? Good, Unreal. mate. Good to be back. Good. Today we're joined by a pretty, pretty special guest, Dara. Dara, how nice are you, mate? Hey, lads, I'm very good. Thanks for having me. <laughs> you got your, um, your business shirt on there. Tell us a bit about it. Well, Dill, this is uh, Conscious King Coaching. Uh, I recently changed career. So, for me, mental health, men's mental health has been huge and prominent in my life. Uh, I've had a lot of friends, um, not family, but, you know, close enough friends that you yeah. call family have committed suicide in the past. And I've got friends who suffer with mental health um, day to day. So for me, a few years ago, I'd done a course and a workshop. And in that workshop, I unlocked some of my trauma, some of my old stories, my limiting beliefs, and my own bout with depression and thoughts of suicide. Um, and becoming aware of that, I knew I had an obligation to share that wisdom and help other men unlock the trauma of their past so they can live a guilt-free and a shame-free life. So, yeah, I've changed career from a plumber of 15 (laughs) years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. even, Even on the building sites, it's... It's so, like, it's uh, very prevalent on there, the, the, the whole macho, you know, yeah. everybody is a hard man and, you know, cunt this, fuck that and everybody. There's not many people on a building site that come with compliments. Everybody's trying to step over each other to, you know, look at his work, that shit. And for me, after doing the internal work on myself, I can recognise that's a pattern of... Uh, limiting belief in their self or low self-esteem in their self or men who, you know, knock other people down because that's how they feel about themselves. So uh, for me, I felt a a duty, a duty of care to share and step forward. So us men would have the courage to see another man leading and following that path because um, what I figured in my darkest hour was my fear to tell anybody what was really going on internally. Um, I was speaking to my family at home, it was at Christmas time, I was living in Melbourne and I was speaking to family at home and they didn't know, I was playing the perfect life, yeah. I was in the sun. I lived across the road from the beach, I was getting on the session with the boys, and then I was calling home and I was fucking in pain. And 
missing home and in fear and I was tell they were like, How are you getting on? And I was like, Yeah, everything's great, man, we're over at the beach, we're doing all of these things and when I each time I hung up the phone I was like my heart was was dropping further. Hey? Yeah, it was dropping deeper and that for me was the most painful uh moments of my life. That went on for a few weeks, so yeah. yeah. Can you give us a bit more of an insight into that? That time. So you were living in Melbourne. Yeah. Yeah. And you were so living with mates, I assume. Or, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you're always drinking, yeah. getting on it, and you looked from the outside looking in, looked like you lived the life. Perfect. Yeah. What exactly were you feeling inside? So it was like I said, it was around Christmas time and I'd been on the session for like fucking a whole <laughs> Yeah, there was a few days, it was probably a week or nearly nearly ten days altogether. A few days and then a little gap and then a few days <laughs> as it is. But uh there was probably four days of party the whole way through, drinking, taking all the drugs and and smashing it out on, on like on the clouds. And then dumped down to uh, straight back down to earth, down to hell, as some would say. Um, I was fighting in that time, and I wasn't proud of myself for being involved in the fight that I was in. And there was a couple of things. My partner at the time was she had had to leave Australia, so I was starting to miss her, and without actually saying. And then my best friend, he moved to Perth as well. So. I was surrounded by people and I also felt alone, I felt alone and because I brought all the session back to my house, I felt like I was entrapped in my own house. Uh, you couldn't get out of it, there's no yeah, escape. Yeah, yeah. E even, yeah, even when everybody was gone, it's like it still felt like everybody was there and the mess. Because it, 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 the next day I was doing the same thing because I had that hole I needed to fill. and. The alcohol and drugs put on, I put a, it helped me put on the mask, and it made me feel like I filled that hole and that void until it all wore off again and you're back. And you're actually worse than you were before you went back in. So yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I think there. I think just on touching that, I mean, you said it before. Like every time you'd call your family on, you'd put that mask on. And you know, from experiences from myself, every time you put that mask on, it gets a little bit harder. Yeah. You know what I mean? To put that mask on and keep going, that eventually you do crash. And when you do crash, it fucking it's ten times worse. Mm -hmm. But like you said, I mean, I reckon the higher you go on the drugs and the alcohol level, the bigger the come down is. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? The bigger the down is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Did anyone say anything to you during that time? Like, did anyone try and help you? Or? Um, well, no, because I didn't tell them. You know, and if you know me, I was the life and soul of every party and or the driving force behind. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so um, I started to speak up. I started to speak up. I reached out to a friend of mine in Canada. And it's so interesting because two years previously, I bumped into him by complete chance. I hadn't seen him in years in Thailand, in Koh Samui, in the, uh, what's the name of it? in a bar there, I remember in a minute. And he was telling me he was gonna be a millionaire by the age of 30. And I was like, 
What? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. Uh, what yeah, we all, yeah, we all are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What are you on about, you know? So uh, he's like, no, no, I'm reading this book, The the Secret, and he was telling me about the law of attraction and, uh, you know, the spiritual and philosophy and all of this. And I was like, you're off your head, like, you know? <laughs> so, so anyways, two years later, um, when I was having these dark thoughts, the thought that came through most pre prevalent was... Uh, Everybody's doing, my, my partner was in Dubai at the time. Uh, when I was in uh, Perth, and my family were obviously in Ireland, and I was here in Australia, mm. and, and when I was talking to everybody, they were all doing great, and yeah. I wasn't telling them what was going on for me. And one of the times I hung up, when I had the talk come flying past there, they would actually be fine if I wasn't here, you know? Mm. How how that everybody's doing fine. They'd be fine if I wasn't here. I, even the first thought of that was a big trigger for me. It was like, you know, what the fuck? Where did that come from? You know. And then once I thought about it, and then I tried to reverse it by thinking about it, it just like yeah. created a big huge spoil. So for me, um, and that went on for a few weeks before I reached out to Rob. He was living in Toronto then at the time. And I made contact with him. I said, Rob, listen, this is what's going on for me. The first person I saw that really opened up to him and told him everything. And um, he recommended, I, I said, what's the book? Yeah. Um, and he told me, and I made it my business to get that book before the day was over. So what is that book? The Secret. The Secret, mm. is that what? Uh, a girl called Rhonda Bourne. Thanks, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Funny. not telling you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's a, an author called Rhonda Bourne. I, I think she's American. Right. I think she's American. She's actually got a series of them now. I think there's four. The Secret, The Magic. and I haven't read the other ones. I just read that one. Yeah, I, I locked myself away. when I Once I got the book, uh, I, I literally read it in 24 hours, the whole thing. <laughs> And it brought me back to, so like Einstein, it's not one particular book, it's a lot of philosophers from throughout history. Yeah. Uh, thought leaders, uh, inventors, um, philosophers, uh, Einstein is in there. It's like a, a, a load of different quotes. Yeah. Um, and wisdom from people's experience, people are great. I think Edison is in there and, you know, Tesla. Yeah. Uh, the real Tesla from back in the day. Um, and it's just through reading that it helped me um, remember certain times in my life where I put these tools into practice without actually knowing what I was doing. So, so you could relate to it. Yeah. I don't know how you read it in 24 hours, hey. Mm -hmm. I read this Michael Jordan book for two years. <laughs> what's the page like 55? <laughs> 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 more of a more of a more of a audio book man. Yeah, that's me now. That's <laughs> I've got all of my books on Audible now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Let's watch the documentary. The yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, all these sort of events is that were they the main catalyst for you becoming a men's empowerment coach? They were that, that was just the start of it. That that uh, sparked my curiosity of uh, you know spirituality and philosophy and for, like Einstein and yeah, that started my curiosity into documentaries and things like that. And 
uh, I just built up uh, the, the, the workshop I did four years ago was here in Sydney first and then I went to Brisbane and done the, the next level and the next level and I had been telling people and recommending things and but once I done that course it took me a year that's a that's another thing uh, once I done that course and I discovered these tools and understood I had a gift that I could help people with to help help them take off the mask and people gravitate to me and open up randomly come up to me in clubs or bars and just randomly start talking deep yeah. stuff and, and then they apologize while, while they're doing it um, this they say like I don't know why but I feel like I need to tell you this and I'm, I'm fine with it you know and mm. um, though I was still playing in the comfort zone um, I was I was doing it here in Australia and I hate Facebook and all that stuff and I deleted all my socials like after this episode and um, I re-enrolled onto Facebook because I was doing the course and I would only let the people in the course be my friends. Yeah. So it was like 50 people or something. Not even my partner, my own friends, anybody could be like they tried to add me and I just blocked everything yeah um so for me then I was playing safe I was doing these videos and helping people though I was in this little bubble and then I opened it up a little bit more I let my partner in and then I still recognized the people that really knew me the people from where I come from that I grew up with that I've been in a lot of trouble with and um, that we've done a lot of mad shit growing up together, mm. uh, hanging around the flats, getting chased by the police, and just being, being kids. Yeah. <laughs> being kids, but yeah, where I grew up is really uh, it's rough, it's tough, it's tough. Uh, fighting is uh, it's an everyday thing. Yeah. you got to know how to handle yourself. Um, so where exactly in Ireland did you grow up? Dublin. Dublin, Dublin okay. Yeah. yeah. In town, uh, the flats, York Street, they're called, mm-hmm. city centre. There's a lot of trouble, there's a lot of drugs around there. and um, Yeah, in the younger years, around mental health, we would never have, like, we didn't know what we know now. So also, I'll bring it back. Uh, I was sharing all this wisdom before I was here, I would share, but the people at home, I recognised I was still afraid of judgment from them. Because, um, like I said, some of them are gangsters, really tough, you know, and and even my mom and things like that, my own brothers, and I recognised that I was in fear of being seen. So even though I had this wisdom, I was still afraid to share. Yeah. Um, so yeah, once I started doing that and I opened up to everyone in Ireland, then it's just gradually been a step after step, and it's still... Even though I've been doing it for years, it's still um, scary right now. It's still scary. Like now I'm nervous somewhat. <laughs> you know what I mean? Even though I've been doing the work, yeah. it's, a, it's a continuous process. You just, it's just levels after levels. If I can just take you back a few questions when you were talking about that book and when you were at that really low point of your life. When you finally spoke out, 
Can you tell us what it took to speak out and that what feeling did you have once you got it off your chest and kind of it was out in the open, people knew now? Did you feel a bit of relief? Oh, huge. Uh, like, the weight of the world. Um, and just to understand that I could manifest my own thoughts, obviously from reading the book, um, it brought me back to who I... It reconnected me with who I was mm. or who I am. Mm. Because, like I said, there was points in the book that I resonated with through past experience that I didn't realise I was doing at the time. So once I realised I had that power, yeah, the weight of the world was gone. And then I start telling people, I start talking to people, and I start opening up to more people. And once I got in that flow, yeah, it was it was incredible. It was literally whether it saves my life, I'm not a hundred percent, but it's definitely changed led me to this point in my life so yeah and you also mentioned you were on a big drug and alcohol bender for a, a lot of that period and you mentioned before the show that you've actually stopped drinking mm-hmm. and taking drugs in the beginning of the year how has that changed your um, mental well-being and physical of course it's like it's it's incredible because i've been drinking uh since for about about 13 the age of 13 i'm 35 now yeah 13 14 I was late to the drug party, but I was, well, I was smoking weed and all that stuff growing up. Uh, but the other stuff, uh, taking pills and doing sniffing things like that, yes. that didn't happen till later. So it was like I was catching up on everybody Made else. For it. Yeah, being, being uh, drug and alcohol free now is just incredible. Uh, so what I'll say, I've completely changed career in the last, I made a decision in November that, like, three years ago, I decided this is what I was going to be doing in four years. Um, and the last six months of last year, I spent a lot of time on the session, parking, drinking. I found myself getting into that rut. I was looking at the two, I'm a plumber, well, I am a plumber by trade, but I was looking at the two big jobs over in uh, the West, and... I found myself in that hamster wheel, uh, the clouded mind, going into the toxic environment on a building site, and then going up and getting smashed off mm. my face. So I felt trapped. And since November, I decided that I was going to change this year. Um, January is when I stopped drinking alcohol. And since then, um, the, my work ethic, my passion, my, my love uh, for myself, my, my, my clients, and my creativity in that process has been phenomenal. I've just been hired as a coach in a program that I've been doing for the, the last while with my mentor, who was a, a thought leader in the world, uh, and a coach who has helped heal many thousands of people around the world, um, and another mentor who is creating a platform. He's one of the leaders in the coaching industry. So his ripple has the power to create uh, impact in over a billion people's lives. So that's the game we're playing right now. And if I didn't give up alcohol when I did, I wouldn't be here now, simple. You spoke before about, you know, not wanting to reach out and then you reach out, is that, 
a reoccurring theme that you see with the people that you work with, that, that fear of sort of being judged and then when they actually speak out and tell you what's happening, they feel a lot better? hundred percent, hundred percent. So what I do is uh, a discovery call before I take on a client. Mm. We, we speak, um, it's, it's usually a half an hour to 45 minutes and we get to know each other, find out what the issues are, the problems are, and if I can solve their problem. And he, I, I had recently had a guy, my latest client, um, he, he just literally, since that one conversation, that's not even the start of the coaching, that's mm -hmm. only the conversation to see what's going on for him and me figuring out what tools I can use to help. Um, and it's it's not a case of I'm here to fix you because nobody's broken. Yeah. Yeah. We just have these. We've downloaded these programs um, that we believe we that belong to us, but they don't belong to us. So it's it's in the reversing of that programming that it brings us as humans back to our true authentic self. So once they get the once they get the like, it's it's incredible. Once once you get their first conversation done, um, and get to the pain point of the trauma, uh, it, it opens up a new world for whoever. What are some other tips you have for a healthy lifestyle? Obviously, physical health is well spoke about now in relation to mental health. Mm. Obviously, you mentioned alcohol. That's a great thing, and a lot of people probably aren't willing to give up alcohol, and that's amazing. You did, but for the average person. That's such a lifestyle for them. Mm. And obviously it's great if you can do that, but what are some other healthy lifestyle kind of advice or tips you could give? For, for me, I'll, I'll bring it back to the alcohol really quickly. The reason I, so I put myself in a, uh, in a challenge. So in, in one of my coaching courses that I was a student, um, I committed to not drinking alcohol for four months after that. Because, uh, I, like I said, I've been drinking since the age of 13, yeah. I'm 35 now. And this is the longest that I've ever in my whole entire life went without drinking alcohol. I think the longest in between that would have been like three weeks where you're sort of counting mm -hmm. by weekends. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not actually yeah. three weeks, it's not 21 days. It's three Saturdays. <laughs> yeah, three Saturdays. So, uh, so, yeah, I. I leveraged my, our wedding was um, supposed to be in June in Bali and I leveraged my commitment against my eyebrows. So if I drink alcohol, <laughs> 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 if I drink alcohol in this and the other man got to hold me accountable, I wrote it down a statement. We gave each other our different commitments and and if I drink alcohol within this four months, like... <laughs> The course finished like this week, and the next week was our wedding. <laughs> so uh, I had to shave my eyebrows if I, <laughs> if I drank alcohol. So I was like, <laughs> that's what it took for me to stop drinking. <laughs> <laughs> that's what it took. Extreme. It was in that process then that I got to see what a life without alcohol looks like. Yeah. What me without alcohol looks like and all the other things, the creativity, the drive, the work ethic, the connection. So I drink non-alcoholic beers, so I still get the taste, though I still got my mind. So a healthy lifestyle around that would be to uh, 
I don't have anything against alcohol right now. It's just not for me anymore at yeah. this moment. Um, I have drank twice in that period, though. Yeah, I don't chase after it. Like yeah. I had to know I was in control of my life, and um, I can go somewhere and not habitually just pick yeah. up the beer, you know. Mm. Um, so that would be tips, knowing you're in control. Yeah, 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 that was a huge thing. Yeah, just understanding um, whether that was in control of me or I was in control of that. You yeah. know, now if I have a beer, I know I can stop if I want to. Um, before, it's like, who's going to the bottle shop? Who's ringing this fella? Mm. Let's get that stuff. And then it's just a snowball, and then it's 7 o'clock in the morning, and you're looking at the, the time waiting for the bottle shop to open again. Yeah. You know? So, um, yeah, I need to break that cycle. You mentioned before the show that you're uh, quite good friends with uh, the Notorious, Conor <laughs> McGregor. What's, like, with, in regards to him and what he's done with the UFC, I mean, that's just insane, like the mental side of the game. Mm. What do you... Can you give us anything on that about what you know about him? He's, look, at his, his belief and his, uh, his self-belief, which brings it back to the visualisation, once, once we unlock and discover our true power, um, there's the evidence of what we can achieve. After that, once we find our purpose, I actually uh, came up with a quote today. Um, once we find the purpose, fuck, I can't remember. Yeah, once you find your purpose, that's the key to un unlocking your true potential. Yeah. Right. So once you find your purpose, that's the key to unlocking your true potential. So yeah. With Connor, his mindset has been like that from day one, and it's incredible um, that he owns that power and never uh, strays away from that. That's always where he's at, whether he's, you know, not fighting or not training, he's constantly switched on to that yeah. um, and manifesting everything that he's created in his life. So I'm sure there's a few like other stories like that, but it's cool to see like the videos of him when he's 17, 18. I think he was an apprentice. Like, yeah, plumber, plumber, isn't yeah. Yeah. And he's talking about being a two-way world champion and he's got <laughs> he like says acne face and he's got a shaved <laughs> head and he's looking into the camera and then like what, six or seven years later it all came true. Pretty yeah, cool. yeah, it's incredible. And that, like I said again, it's uh, it all boils back to the belief and finding, uh, finding your purpose because your purpose unlocks your potential. And that's what he did. And that's the same for anybody. So bringing it back to the health question, education and um, putting yourself into uncomfortable situations, putting yourself out there, uh, it's through trying all the different things that will help find mm. you your purpose. For me, spirituality, me from the flats growing up, like around gangs and gangsters most of my life and uh, speaking about spirituality and self-love and loving yourself and like that's insane. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, yeah, what, yeah. what the fuck is he talking about? You know. Yeah. So, uh, but now I know this. This is my purpose. This is this is what I'm here to do. Um, and by me being in service and giving to another and witnessing the joy that that creates in their life and the ripple it creates in their family and their like their whole world is 
is what brings me the most joy. So for me, the days I'm doing right now are 16, 17 hour days. Though I don't, it, I don't look at it as time. Yeah. I don't even feel it as yeah. time, you know? And that's the same with Connor. He, it's not time for him. He's, he's doing something he loves. And yeah. that's the, it's, and, and any great athlete or musician or f like you're an athlete yourself, mm -hmm. um, who are the rugby players? You, you know, Brian O'Driscoll. Yeah. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. So the rugby players, the same, uh, Cristiano Ronaldo. Yeah, I think, I think that the law of attraction is what it's called is so big in sports at the moment and so getting so much attraction because of, you know, people like Connor they talk it into existence and they're mm -hmm. so confident with themselves that they, you know, like what you said, they unlock that power on themselves where there's no stopping them. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. 100%, yeah. yeah. And, and, and that's it as well. It's uh, it's the, so the fear of judgment when, when like Connor is incredibly brave and smart enough to do that because once you speak it into the world, uh, the, the universe conspires to bring you whatever you say you already have. So he's putting it out there in a statement, mm. which which yeah. he's telling me he's already had. He already yeah. has it. He's not saying, "Oh, I want to win this." Exactly. I want. He's yeah. like, "I have it. Yeah, I already have yeah. it. I just need to pick it up." You know? yeah, exactly. Um, and that's the same with Ronaldo. And uh, I can remember vividly Ronaldo gave an interview when he was playing. With Manchester United, he was on the red carpet, and there was him, Rio Ferdinand, and uh, one of the other Brazilians. Anyways, uh, Nani, one of them, and the guy asked him who was the best player in the world, and this was long before. This is when he had pimples <laughs> and he had the braids and all of this. I'll never forget. Just bang me, and that was it. Mm. Me. There was no explanation. There was no. Um, he wasn't afraid of the judgment. Yeah. He wasn't afraid to be cut down. And people who put themselves out there like that are usually the ones that get to that level. Yeah, I think I think there's a fine line between being confident and cocky as well. Mm. Yeah, it's definitely different. It's definitely different. Like you've exactly. got to be confident to get to that level. I mm -hmm. believe. Like Andrew Fafido, I remember he was saying that he's a, a rugby league player and he's. He said, I'm confident, but I'm not cocky. He said, I'm the best front rower in the game. Mm -hmm. And that's not cocky. That's just confident. Because mm -hmm. I tell myself, if I don't tell myself I am, then I'm not going to be, which comes back to that mindset. 100%. But I think Conor McGregor and people like Ronaldo, there's a difference. Some people say it, and I don't know if they genuinely believe it in themselves. Mm -hmm. But like people like McGregor, is just like he, you can just tell he believes it. It's fucking true <laughs> and it happens. And it's just crazy how they can do it. And if you're yeah. around him and there's, like, if you're around him and there's self-doubt in you, it's just going to perpetuate, like, that self-doubt. Like, if yeah. people that he comes up against, like, if he's saying all that stuff and then you've got doubts about you, you're sort of going, Yeah, mm. fuck. <laughs> like, the, t the thing is, what, uh, what did I say, a uh, high tide raises all chips. So what that actually does for everybody in the vicinity, regardless of who it is, is uh, uh, uplifts you. To want to be the better version of yourself, yeah. uh, it's also important to recognise that the competition is you. Mm. It's always you. The moment you compare yourself to somebody else, you've already lost. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, like that's um, so good. And yeah. once once you show up in that headspace with that mindset, yeah. Like once you keep 
better in who you were yesterday or the day before. Yeah. Um, you're just, it's all about yourself and that's self-belief, confidence. Well, yeah, well, it happened with Donald Cerrone. He came out, Conor McGregor's in uh, January, he came out and said two days before the fight, I'd already lost it. Donald mm. Cerrone came out saying, he goes, he was just, he believed, like he, Conor McGregor almost convinced him that he was going to lose just of how confident he was <laughs> in his ability to win. And he came out and said that, Did you know what, I, that? I, I pretty much did. lost two days before the fight, I'd already lost. No way, it's yeah. incredible. Um, I would have liked to see more, more of that fight, but incredible <laughs> yeah. performance. For, like, and for people who... Uh, Connor got a bit of flack about. Uh, oh no, Donald got a bit of flack about. Oh, he went down to his shoulder. Yeah. Like and and other people claim that, you know, oh, it was a free thing. But Connor's been doing that for a long time. I've seen him down in the gym a few times. And, yeah. And even training with like some of his training partners, he's always been doing it. Um, it's just the, the first time. Yeah. Well, yeah it's kind of done a yeah. major bit of damage because. In the gym, you wouldn't be trying to break something else. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. So, and uh, and and in saying that, for the people for the people listening that uh, you know relating to this and want to start this, what are some tips as the starting blocks and you know becoming this and you know unlocking that power in yourself? Um, is is there a starting block, or does it come from yourself? Well, you it's a, it's it's a it's the biggest block is fear of judgment. Yeah, the biggest block. When you can, like, because when you can understand the ego and the self, the ego is the one that the fucking tells you you're not good enough or mm. he's better than you or she's better than you and you don't want to look foolish uh, asking a stupid question. There's no such thing as a stupid question. So when you remove that fear of uh, what I do, I play this game with myself now. Um, <clears throat> Recently, I went for a coffee for my, my partner after I dropped Fee at the school, Chris, and I realised I hadn't got my wallet. So I'd already went into the coffee shop and I'd come back out of the coffee shop. So for me, I struggled with asking people for anything. Yeah. Um, and I recognised that's a stretch for me. So I got back into the car to drive home and I was like, fuck, this is a stretch. <laughs> <laughs> this is a stretch. Go in and ask the guy for a coffee for free. So I was like, oh my God, here we go. So straight away the ego kicks yeah. in, you know. Yeah. You can't do that. You're going to be just like a big queue of people. It's yeah. it's the morning time and you know, everyone's waiting for their coffee. You don't want to be asking and look, you know, look like you have no money in front of all these people. Mm. And the more that story goes in my head, I recognize I have to lean in and do whatever my ego is telling me not to do. So I went in and fucking, it's like, hey mate, like, <laughs> I come here all the time. <laughs> first time <laughs> I mean, The first thing he says, is like, that's funny, because I work here all the time. <laughs> and I've never seen him before. And I was Great like, start. Oh, <laughs> and like I said, there's all people there. So I'm like, fuck. I said, look, I don't have any money with me. Can you give me a coffee? Uh, now he reluctantly gave it to me. Yeah. But, I knew that that was a stretch for me and I felt really uncomfortable doing it. Yeah. Though what I was doing is, it's not about the coffee. It's never about whatever the thing is. Yeah. I was uh, proving to myself that I'm in control of myself. I'm in control of 
when I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to do that. It doesn't matter what anybody thinks of me in that process. So each time you do that, it gets back to the self-belief, confident um, in your own ability to do whatever it is. So next time I need to ask somebody for something, it get a little bit easier through repetition, repetition. Yeah. So I guess that's the same as, like you said, finding that purpose kind mm. of comes from within. Mm. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And and like like, it's all about education and trying something. Until I walked into that room, which I didn't know what I was stepping into, um, until I'd done that, I wouldn't have known this. And, and now also, without putting myself out there with my friends or family, at home, I wouldn't have known that people would accept coaching from me, and it's just repetition, and also not being afraid of what other people think, mm. because it still, still, it still happens. Yeah, some of the content I put out there, you still got these fears. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah it fucking doesn't stop. Yeah, yeah. With, but like you said, it gets easy the more you do it. It's yeah. just that little yeah. hurdle. Uh, so you're back on social media with yeah. your things. So where could we find you for people listening? Um. Instagram, it's Conscious King Coaching. Uh, Dara B3 is the handle. And then Dara Bourne on Facebook. So I'll send his links, just can add them to that. And how, how do you spell yeah. that? D A double R A G H and B Y R N E. That's right. Yeah, just one more thing before you leave. I just want to commend you guys on. I met you guys once and here we are. Yeah. Um, you're 21, 21 and 20. Yeah. Um, I just want to commend you guys for doing the work that you're doing today. Um, so young in your life. What you are doing and creating is going to impact many, many men here in Australia, mm. athletes mm. in your industry. Just by you showing up and taking a stand for yourselves, uh, you're going to create a huge ripple moving forward. So. Very inspiring, and I'm truly, truly honoured and grateful that you've asked me to be a guest. Thanks, brother. Thank you. Thanks for joining us, and look forward to working with you in the future, hopefully. Definitely. All right, so that'll wrap us up, I think. Thanks for coming on, mate. Really appreciate it. Really fucking killed the catch up. So, thanks again to our major sponsors, Chloe Hotel. Probably got the best palmies in Sydney, I reckon, the Chloe. And uh, Doyle's on the beach, beautiful seafood down at Watson's Bay. So, thank you for jumping on board this season, and thanks for tuning in, guys. We'll see you next time. Turn Up The Talk podcast, tackling mental health together.